Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Hey, this morning, uh, looking forward to uh, what we have in store. Um, hopefully you got one of, uh, one of these on your way in, or you can grab one on your way out. A um, couple of things that I just want to point out. As we've been walking through a series this, uh, throughout January, um, looking at how God, uh, God is ascending God, and God not only sent Jesus for us, but also he sends us out uh, to our neighborhoods, to the places we work, the places we play, and all across the world. Um, and on the front side, under the kind of calendar portion, kind of a brief summary of what we've talked about the last month. Uh, but on the back, uh, we've got a number of ways to contact and get involved as next steps of discipleship. Um, this morning, I'm super excited. We've got, obviously, you see a whole uh, group of people. This isn't a choir, but I don't know. We could, if they wanted to, they could sing. Um, <laughs> Melanie will lead us. Um, but anyway, uh, on that, uh, what we want to do this morning uh, is, is kind of take next, give opportunity for next steps. Um, in, in Revelation 12, um, at the end of everything, Scripture tells us how we overcome the darkness, how we overcome the enemy, how we as God's people overcome all of the things and are faithful, remain faithful to God in the process when Jesus returns. And I just want to read it. It's, it's probably a familiar verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 11. It says, And they, those who are committed to Jesus, have conquered him, the enemy, the darkness, sin, evil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. And there's two things that are critical for us to understand as we carry out the mission that God gave us. One is something we can't do and has been done for us. And the other thing is the thing that God calls us to do and we must do. The thing that we can't do is, the, is, is what only the blood of the lamb has done. Jesus, through his shed blood, has brought us salvation, something that we had no participation in, we couldn't cause, we couldn't create, but Jesus died, rose, and ascended into heaven so that we can have salvation, so he brings us salvation, and we know this. But the second thing, and that, and, and that, that is how the enemy is conquered fully and finally, that he has no more power over us. But the second thing is it says by the word of their testimony, and that is taking the salvation that we've received in Christ and taking it out by the word of our mouth, by our testimony, our witness, and sharing it with the world around us wherever we are. And that's what we're gonna do this morning is you're gonna hear the word of a number of people's testimony on how God is using them in the mission that he's called us into together. And it's a wide variety of ways to serve and make disciples because wherever you are, whoever you're in contact with, you can be making disciples of others. And these are just really, I think, pretty accessible on-ramps to that. You see, here's, here's the thing is we can hear a thousand sermons but if we don't take what we hear and it doesn't transform our inside and transform our outside and change how we live and what we do, then it's almost like we didn't even hear the sermon. 
We didn't even read the passage. And so what we want to do this morning is, is the sermon this morning is the word of their testimony. Which, by the way, <laughs> it's interesting in Revelation 12, it doesn't say that they have overcome him by hearing sermons. <laughs> it actually says they've overcome him by the, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so we're going to hear those words of testimony today. And so I'm super excited. And I, and I want you to know after service, um, these people will be out in the Welcome Center. And I know it's raining and there's giant rivers um, out surrounding us, moats, basically. Um, but they're going to be out there. And on the back here, um, there's ways to contact and get in touch and follow up if God's moving in you to say, hey, this is something I need to be involved in. This is something that God has kind of impressed on me and, and laid on my part. So um, I want to uh, first introduce um, Mark and Melanie, and they're going to kind of kick us off and share a little bit about their journey uh, with camp and uh, how that has, has fleshed out over the last couple of years. So Mark. Hi. Yes, we're Mark and Melanie Evans. And as many of you know, our church owns a campground up in Pinecrest, California called Camp Chinkapin. And um, we've been serving up there for the last two years. And uh, on one of the, it's a beautiful place. And on one of the main buildings, there's a plaque with a verse. I'm going to read it for you. Luke 9, 28. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. And then it lists the founding fathers, Loyal Friesen, Wilbur Grant, John Klein, Bud LaCour. <clears throat> These men were instrumental in the development of Camp Chinkapin to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we follow our Lord's example of coming to the mountains to seek the Father in prayer. And, uh, you know, you can read a plaque like that and uh, not really understand the journey of how it got there. And the beginning of Camp Chinkapin was, it was just a piece of land on the end of a dirt road that uh, nobody wanted. But... At that time, our congregation and the leadership felt that we needed a place where we could do this. We could get away, we could seek the Lord in prayer, and he could speak to us, and it would change us. And so they took that on as their task. And for 30 years, they served, and they gave, and they worked. And most importantly, they would go up onto the mountain to pray, <clears throat> And God used them. And the camp we know today was mostly finished during that first 30 years, that time frame. But about 20 years ago, our church kind of realized that Camp Chinkapin should be, maybe go into a new chapter, be used differently. It was such a nice place that we should offer this to others. And so at that time, we hired professional managers who loved Jesus and we began to offer this campground to other churches. And for the last 20 years, that has been one of our ministries is having a campground that other churches can come and use. And, uh, you know, as you may know, uh, post-COVID, our campground was closed for a couple years. And um, about two years ago, we all received a letter from the board and the leadership team that God was leading them that something new needed to happen at Camp Chinkapin. And they didn't know what it was, but they knew that something was going to happen and it might not be part of our church anymore. They, you know, it was, wasn't clear at the time, but that started a journey. And I have to tell you, you know, when I first read that letter, wow, that was, that was really hard to read and even harder to accept 
But, you know, that started a process over about six or eight months where the leadership team and the board would meet with the congregation and give feedback about how God was leading them, take input about what we might be thinking. And by the time our, you know, meeting came around in April, Amelia and I, we had realized that, you know, it was a hard thing to hear, but we knew that God was in it. The board was listening to Jesus. They were just doing what they needed to do and that we were okay with that. I mean, we didn't like it, but we knew that it was, that was God's will, right? We were ready. And so, but in our meeting with Matt that day, there was a little seed of an idea that came out of it. And um, so some of us began to get together and pray and say, you know, is this something? Um, and just ask the question, is this a possibility of what God might want to do next? And that led eventually to a meeting with Matt and then eventually a meeting with the board just to ask the question is, is this something that could be the next thing for Chinkapin? And it turns out it was. And so for the last 18 months, we've been working on launching a new ministry, uh, Friends of Chinkapin, a nonprofit Christian organization that's sole purpose is dedicated to using Camp Chinkapin to the glory of God. Make disciples, bring people to Jesus, and have a place up on the mountain that you can go and pray. And so many of you have already been working with us on this. There's been about 50 or so that have uh, been working behind the scenes to do different things. And Melanie's going to tell you a little bit about the last 18 months and some of the things that have happened. So we can really see that God has been at work in the last 18 months and in this new new journey for Camp Shinkapin. And uh, God is the one who's doing it. We are just saying yes to whatever he says is the next step. And we haven't advertised at all, but God has brought us 19 different groups over the past year and a half to come to be at camp. And um, the, many of them have never been at camp before at our, at our camp. And one camp in particular, uh, they were celebrating that six of their students had received Christ at that camp and that they were going home that very day to baptize them that afternoon. So that was really exciting. That's just one we know about and there are other stories as well. Another way that God has been working at camp is that we've been praying about and trying to figure out how to get unchurched kids and unchurched adults to camp. And we couldn't figure out a strategy for that. We were just like, we don't know what to do. And then God answered our prayer. And out of the blue, a lady called and said, hey, I would like to come to your camp in June. Is it okay, though, if I bring about 150 kids who are unchurched? Why, yes it is. <laughs> so we were so excited that that's going to happen in June. And that's just something that God did for, for us, put that in front of us. We also are a volunteer-led camp. And so over 50 of you have come um, and from other congregations as well to work at camp either during our work weekend where we do repairs, we sweep the forest, we do all kinds of things um, to get camp ready. And some of you have um, come to serve while there is a camp, and that is definitely needed as well. Um, you have come to work the entire weekend or for a single day, helping in the kitchen and the dining hall, um, helping with housekeeping, and just loving on people who are at camp. And groups tell us all the time, wow, your team, they're so amazing. Thank you. Tell them thank you. And we say, you know, that's a volunteer team. And they're just blown away. They can't believe that 
volunteers would come up and serve the way that people come and serve. And so we love that you are using and allowing the Lord to use you in a way to serve at Camp Chinkman. Um, but what really happens, as you know, is that as you serve, you're the one who is blessed. And that's what's happened with us. We hear, um, we work really hard. We hear incredible testimonies and incredible um, preaching and worship, and we get to join in. And imagine that while you're cleaning a table and filling a napkin holder, you get to participate in worship all at the same time. It's pretty exciting. So God keeps showing us what he has in this ministry and how he's drawing people closer to him and that we're just gonna keep moving forward with it. So we invite you to come and either join us in prayer. We have a prayer card that's over at the Welcome Center you can pick up. Um, join us in serving or join us in giving financially to this ministry. You know, one of the things that we've learned is that, um, you know, we have this asset that in over 50 years, it's been used differently at different times depending on what God's plans are. And uh, <clears throat> when I read that um, verse from the plaque and those, those men that were listed on the founders, sometimes when you see things like that, it can almost seem like a Bible story of something that happened a long time ago that, oh, that's kind of cool. But um, I just happen to be old enough to remember that uh, I was a senior in high school when this started, and the names on that plaque are, were the fathers of friends of mine, and the people in the congregation, those were the parents and grandparents of my peers. And so, I, re <clears throat> excuse me, I remember that they were just ordinary people who loved Jesus, and God put, God put something on their heart, and so they acted on it. And then it worked diligently toward whatever God was going to do. And they wouldn't have had dreamed that 50 years later we would be standing here celebrating this glorious place and the next steps. But that's what God gives us. He just gives us what's right in front of us. And so if this resonates with you and this sounds like something that you want to be a part of, we would love for you to join us. There are so many opportunities. And um, that memory and that you know perspective I now have that I didn't have as a high schooler is what keeps us going. Just do what God puts right in front of you and be faithful in the moment and then let him take care of the rest. Thanks, Mark and Melanie. Appreciate that. They've got to go to another, uh, another engagement right now. But um, yeah, thank you. You know, I, I think one of the cool things about that about what they're doing is, is they both retired, and I don't think that they had on their, uh, on their um, vision that they were going to put all of this work into uh, camp like that. And it's just been cool how God does different things in different seasons in our lives. And so that's a great opportunity. Um, I'm going to introduce Gabe Caligari as uh, he kind of shares about um, an opportunity for us to actually step in maybe a little bit more if God has um, been, been stirring in you a desire and a passion uh, for things that are far away, even globally, uh, the nations, that kind of thing. Um, I want to I hear from, I want Gabe to share a little bit about an opportunity coming up in the next four weeks. Sure. So uh, two weeks from today, February 18th, uh, 1045 uh, during this service time, uh, we're going to meet in Park Place, and we're going to start a, a new course, just a four-week course, called Nations 101. And the idea of the class is to um, help us to awaken to what God is doing around the world, especially in places where people don't have access to the gospel like we do. Um, 
there's three aspects to the class. There's a past aspect, so we'll be reading through parts of the New Testament together to see how um, that great commission command that Jesus gave to the disciples was carried out in those first generations and what we can learn from that. There's a present aspect to it, so looking at the, at the world today, the, the missions map of the world today as it is, and looking at where God is working and learning about how we can personally engage with people that are doing that work overseas, even from here. And then there's also a future aspect to it as well, which is um, looking at how the command of Jesus to make disciples of all nations, languages, people, and tongues uh, facilitates and brings about his returns. There's the three M's, missions, martyrdom, and the Maranatha cry. That is how the, our cry for Jesus to return motivates us and inspires us to do the work of missions. Um, we sang in the song earlier, every tribe, nation, and heart will sing your song. And that's really what global missions is about. It's about every tribe and nation singing to Jesus, that picture of all nations before the throne in Revelation. Um, there's a saying in missions that um, missions exist because worship doesn't. And so the whole purpose of global missions is to bring about that, uh, that end, that glorious end that we see in the book of Revelation where every nation and every language is singing to Jesus from their hearts. So I would really encourage you to come, come again. It's only four weeks, so hopefully you can take a break from your peer ministries and go to 9 o'clock service. And um, we'll have speakers from global staff each week, so you'll get to hear from them as well and hear about what God's doing for, through them. And I think it'll be a great time. Thanks, Gabe. Um, that's really awesome. I, I think, again, as a next step of saying, if God's stirring in you to understand a little bit more of that global call and uh, how you may be able to get involved. Last week, Wendy Warnock was sharing that she felt a call to the mission field but never got to go. But now God brought that, the nations to her, to her street across from her house, uh, that Afghan family that she shared about last week. And so... Um, if that's something that kind of interests you. I introduced Tom LaCour, and uh, before he kind of shares, um, you know, one of the things that sometimes is difficult is we, we are in these different places and different groups of people, and we're wondering, you know, how, how do I lead them toward Jesus? Um, you know, one of the things that's popular today is book clubs. Um, I, I would actually say what Tom wants to share with us this morning is kind of like a book club, except it's surrounded around the Bible, and it's simply reading the Bible together. And that's something that you can, you can invite people who don't know Christ, people who've been Christians for a long time, into to really step into making disciples. And uh, I love what God's doing in Tom's life. So Tom, why don't you share with us about discipleship, your journey? All right, here we go. It was about two years ago, a little over two years ago, that my wife and I were on a little walk around our neighborhood, and we came in front of this house, and this guy was coming out to get his mail, and uh, we started a conversation, and he invited us into his house to have further conversation. And it was during that time that I found that this guy was a guy that specialized in uh, showing people how to make disciples who make disciples. And he came down to the point is, are you interested in learning more about that? Because he knew a little bit about me at that point. And how could I say no to that, you know? So I want to introduce this guy because he's sitting in the third row right here. So Bob, wave your hand, stand up, do whatever you do. <laughs> but um, Bob is the guy that's, uh, he's responsible for me uh, getting to where I think God wanted me to be a long time ago. But I started a little late in life, if I could put it that way. One of the tools that he taught me how to use, and there's many 
tools to use, but one of the ones that I'm using the most is something called Discovery Bible Study. And Discovery Bible Study is quite a bit different than a regular Bible study because I've done many regular Bible studies in years past. But this one is not where you teach. This is one where you kind of facilitate the group by asking several key questions. And uh, so we're letting Scripture do the teaching. We're letting the Holy Spirit do the teaching as we're looking at a story or segment of the Bible that might be 10 to 20 verses long. And it's amazing if you really spend a lot of time in answering certain questions, how much you can get out of the little section of scripture that you might be very familiar with, or it may be new to you, but God has much to say to you through that little scripture. Before we get into that part of the study, though, we talk about life and what's going on in each other's life as we have this group that meets together. So there's a couple questions that return uh, We'll refer to life situations that's going on in each of our lives individually. Then we go into the study, and then after that, through some additional questions that are asked, what is God saying to me in this, and what does he want me to do? And uh, so basically, it makes a perfect study. We do the same thing every week, but use a different story from the Bible. And of course, we keep track of what's going on in each other's lives through this process. And um, it was about um, five months ago, I was out playing golf. And, uh, and I've been doing a lot of these groups, by the way, uh, in these last couple of years, and they're all pretty much all still going. And, uh, but I was playing golf, uh, and a, a guy joined our group, and uh, he said, uh, we, after the round was over, he and I just had an affinity for each other. We connected during the golf round. So we spent about a half an hour after that round, just talking about life and what's going on. And then it came around to what's going on spiritually in each other's lives. And I asked him, do you have a faith story? What's, what's, do you have a faith background at all that's going on? And it, uh, it sounded like he did. But he says, I want to know more. Because I told him about the group that I was leading in my home. Actually, facilitating is what we call it. Um, and uh, he said, uh, I'm interested. And so we exchanged phone numbers and nothing happened for for as we were texting each other back and forth until two weeks ago. And uh, it ended up, uh, he said, okay, we're ready. Me and my wife are ready to join the group. We want to check you out. But first, I want you to play golf with me on Friday. So he says, okay, I'm, I'm down with that. So um, we played golf, and sure enough, he and his wife came to our group that next Tuesday. And the fit was perfect for them. We found out that, in fact, they came over and had dinner with us before the group. And... Uh, found out that they, um, she had cancer, recently come down with cancer, and is going through some treatment for cancer. And um, uh, we're still waiting to see what the outcome, they're in their 40s, so they're not old. Um, I love hang, hanging around younger people. And uh, so, um, so at any rate, we had a connection, and they fit in perfectly in the group. Um, they participated. We found tons more information about them, and they just you know, just joined our group and was part of the group, and they're coming again, and it looks like they're going to be part of our group now, which is really exciting. But what, what really started this whole thing for me is when I met with Bob, is he shared the Great Commission with me, that uh, we are called, if we're believers in Jesus, if we're, if we're his disciples, we call ourselves disciples if we're believers in him. And he says, I want you to go and make disciples not only of all nations, for me, the nation that he wanted me to was right here in my neighborhood and in our community. 
and uh, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, uh, and I'm with you. And uh, so I says, that's what I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Because I have been one that responded to people coming to me, but I've never been one to be the going and finding. And uh, so now I'm a goer and finder. I'm involved in a lot of different parts of our community now where I'm teaching other people to become disciples who make disciples. And um, I'm, we're, uh, Matt and I, if Matt, if we have a ton of response, we're gonna be starting a group of training here. That's a five-week training deal. And uh, uh, we would love to have you join us. Um, contact, you can contact me and I'm gonna coordinate the whole thing and then I'll get with Matt and say, okay, Matt, how are we gonna do this? But we'd like to get maybe groups of four, five, or six together in these little groups of training and teach you over those five weeks on how to go about doing a DBS, a Discovery Bible Study. Don't have to be a teacher. Like I say, you need to know how to ask questions and listen. And, uh, and then what's really cool for me right now, I've been doing this long enough to where I've got other people where I'm not the facilitator of the group. The people that are in the group are the ones that are doing the leading, facilitating, asking the questions. Because the goal is to get them out doing the same thing with others so that they can go out and do the same thing with others. So it's working well. Yeah. Uh, Tom just, uh, we just finished up. Tom took me and another uh, area pastor through these five weeks of kind of walking through these DBS Bible studies. And, and uh, it was just really, really awesome. And I, what I love about it is it's a tool, it's an approach, um, but it's super effective and um, it is attainable for anybody. So, Tom, really excited about that. So, if you're interested, um, follow up with Tom. Um, I want to introduce Matt Schrader. He uh, is a uh, chaplain with uh, the Modesto Police Department, and I um, want to kind of have him share his story of how he's discipling uh, where his passion lies. Thank you. Uh, became a, a chaplain about 22 years ago from Modesto PD, and, but the genesis goes back about 20 years before that. A uh, close friend with a young man, that a young man, young, <laughs> relatively young, that uh, led to Christ, and spent a lot of time discipling him, being in his life. And but he was a police officer, and looking back, I can see a lot of uh, of the struggles he had as a police officer. A police officer is exposed to a lot of different things that aren't very pretty to see. A lot of difficult situations it can be very stressful for a life, very stressful for a marriage, uh, stressful for them as they raise their kids. And so I wanted to. You know, what could I do to, to help police officers? And so an opportunity came 22 years ago, became a chaplain for Modesto PD, and realized that if an officer ever needed help, um, they're only going to look for it from somebody they already know and trust. And so I spent uh, literally thousands of hours in a police car uh, getting to know officers, talking about whatever they wanted to talk about. It could be um, yard work they're doing, a house they're buying, uh, kids, struggles raising kids. Um, looking for a wife, having a wife. Uh, I'll let them set the stage of what we want to talk about, but then I could pour into their lives from that platform. And the, the, the time in the car, the windshield time between the calls, gave me just such an opportunity to get to know some of the finest people I've ever met. Uh, incredible human beings that really want to serve and want to give, but their job can be very caustic. And so I wanted, how could I mitigate that? How could I help them? And so being able to pour into their lives, encourage them, I helped them talk through situations. Uh, I got to know a number of them uh, where they asked me to officiate their, their weddings, which means they get to pour into their lives via premarital counseling and then postmarital counseling and uh, watch them have kids and encourage them as they raise those kids. So it's been a great opportunity to get into lives, uh, lives of people that are serving all of us as a community, 
but to be able to serve them. And as a, as a leader of the chaplains of Modesto, I have the opportunity to, to not hire, it's, it's a volunteer position, but to uh, look for other chaplains. And I'm actually looking for other chaplains now. So if this is something you think you'd like to be involved with, um, please contact me. I'd love to walk through that with you. Uh, another aspect of the chaplaincy is we also reach out to the community. Um, if you read the paper or look at the online version, there's, there's tragedies happen every day here. There's from car, car crashes, pedestrians, to shootings, to struggles that we all have, we all go through. And so as a chaplain, we also go out and respond to the community and see how we can help them through those situations, help them get through one of the toughest days of their lives that um, help them get people around them, if they're, if they're a church, to pastor around them, um, opportunities to pray with them, opportunities to do funerals for them, unfortunately. But it's a chance to serve people. And so I encourage you to do that. Please contact me. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. That's really awesome. And uh, thinking about the opportunity that that gives, oftentimes in those really intense moments and situations, um, those are the times that really mean things to people and really bridges are built and relationships are built in those moments. And so being able to um, be in discipleship in those kinds of contexts is really awesome. Uh, Wes Jang is, uh, I like to call him the uh, assistant uh, director. I don't know, assistant yeah, to the. To, to the regional director of uh, World Relief. So um, anyway, uh, Wes uh, works with World Relief. Uh, they place refugee families, and we've got a lot of people in our church who have been connected to families relationally, and there's incredible things happening. And Wes, uh, why don't you just share with us what God's doing with you and, and you know, kind of the opportunity this affords us. Yeah, so I actually uh, moved here 10 years ago to be the uh, middle school director here, and then after a few years, I uh, just needed to get spiritually healthy, so I, I stepped down and started to work at Costco for a little bit, and then uh, those hours were just crazy, waking up at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and driving 45 minutes. And then this opportunity came up to work for World Relief, and I thought that was better than doing all that. And so little I know it was going to be a much uh, harder emotional challenge for myself. Uh, and so the thing we do here at World Relief is uh, we resettle refugees. And uh, if you know anything about refugees, refugees have gone through tremendous trauma, uh, whether it's war, violence, um, political unrest, whatever it may be, and they try to come to uh, the United States to get that freedom and that safety. And so one of the major uh, people groups that have arrived here in Modesto, Central Valley, is uh, the, Af the Afghans, uh, just because of war and their connection with us when we uh, were helping them in their war over in Afghanistan, and recently the collapse of Afghanistan. And so uh, one of the things that I've grown and learned in my process of discipling um, is just being able to be patient, being able to listen, being able to take and have these hard conversations with these families that are mad at you, even though you haven't done anything wrong to them and you're just trying to help them, and just being able to take that and really just sit and listen and hear uh, the pain that they're going through, to be able to hear their story, to uh, be empathetic, even though they're mad at you, being able to just try to provide some, some support. Um, one of the cool things about World Relief is one of our main missions, one of our, our goals is to get the local church involved. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to be blessed to have uh, our, my home church, Cross Point, and a bunch of churches here uh, be able to volunteer to help out uh, with the variety of services that we do. Um, one of those is visit some families in the hotel that for temporary housing that they're in, um, being part of our English classes that we teach women, and just being able to support 
uh, because we believe in the local church. We believe that, um, you know, you are the best avenue and uh, people to help these people because of our funding. So we're funded federally, which means uh, we cannot publicly speak about uh, Jesus. And so with that, we have our hands tied in a lot of ways. We can't proselytize as staff members. Uh, they know that we're a Christian organization. We know that we love Jesus and we love God. But that gives us opportunity to connect you with the church to be involved in these people's lives. And so uh, it's been really cool to see um, just students, uh, young adults really getting involved in these uh, people's lives that um, need to be connected. You can imagine how hard it is if you ever visited another country, how difficult it may be, uh, let alone moving to a whole new country where you don't understand their customs, you don't understand anything, right? We, we, if you were here last week, you heard Wendy share uh, her story about meeting this Afghan family and just her experience of how hard it is. And uh, our caseworkers are doing a great job. We have, a, uh, you might know one of our caseworkers, Zane, he's here too, and he's doing a great job. Uh, but you can imagine just if we had 308 individuals last year come, uh, as Matt mentioned, and then this year we were planned about 475. What Matt didn't tell you is that there's two more refugee resettlement agencies that are here in town. And so it's not just 475, it's probably close to, uh, we're guessing about 1,000 uh, refugees that will be coming in this year uh, be with the other two. And so it's been really cool and really neat to see um, the church just get involved um, and being kind and being loving and providing codes and just even listening to people's stories because and being heard and even seeing those relationships develop. So it's been a really cool experience to be a part of that and uh, witness that. And so just thank you for your, your, um, just your hours and your time. And also it's been really cool just to grow in this aspect of being patient and being kind and really getting the brunt of people's frustrations and not being able to lash out at, back at because you understand the trauma that they've gone through. Yeah. Thanks, Wes. That's awesome. I, I, you know, one of the things just to know is that we've got a whole crew of people who go out and have built relationships with families who've come here from far away. And uh, we're seeing fruit in those relationships. We're seeing people come to Christ, um, which is really, really awesome. Um, I want to introduce Allison Hardy. And uh, she works with uh, Without Permission, which uh, works with human trafficking and uh, the sex trade. Um, one of the things just to just to remind us of the reality of this is that, you know, in a week we've got uh, the Super Bowl coming up. And um, the Super Bowl is not only professional football's biggest game, but it's also uh, human trafficking's biggest game. Um, the Super Bowl weekend is one of the main events in human trafficking, in moving people. It's a location, it's a destination where people come together and these human trafficking uh, organizations actually are very active where the Super Bowl happens. Um, and so you may be enjoying the game next week and all the commercials or whatever you're watching, but also behind that, uh, human traffickers and the sex trade is working overtime because that's a huge event for them. And so this is a huge ministry that Allison's a part of, and uh, she's going to share a little bit of her story and uh, how we can be involved right here at home. Allison. Hi. And just jumping off of that, I didn't say this last time, but th that is so true. And so I think if we can just all be mindful on Super Bowl weekend to be yeah. praying about that yeah. and for the workers that go out all the organizations that work in this space know that. Um, and so they're out there. And so that's something that, something real that we can do um, and be reminded of that weekend. Um, hey, okay, so I'm learning to obey. So can you just pray right now for next weekend 
and that in particular. Can you just do that before you continue? Yeah. Awesome. Dear Jesus, Lord, I thank you so much for this family and for this opportunity to speak. And Jesus, we just want to be obedient when we are moved. We just pray for um, all the workers that are involved in different organizations trying to combat this great evil. We know that it breaks your heart. Um, and Lord, we just, we pray for strength for them. We pray for opportunities. We pray for, um, we know that you're the only one that can provide the restoration for people that are rescued out of this. We pray for that, for that great work. And we just also deeply pray um, against the lies that drive demand, Lord, that we would um, make headway in that front and that you would break those chains. Um, we love you, Jesus, and we um, we are excited to be able to partner with you in these things. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I, I um, serve in a ministry called Without Permission. That's a, a local ministry that uh, exists to mobilize the church and the community um, in the battle against human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking in our area. And there's several different pillars, we call them to this. There's um, community education and prevention, and so we have curriculum and presenters who go into schools um, to help kids to be able to spot that or be able to spot someone who might be um, getting uh, groomed for this um, and to be able to protect themselves on social media, etc. We do community um, presentations, the same kind of thing, and for people to understand the Valley is actually a huge hub for trafficking, which has a lot to do with the 99 and I-5 and across to the Bay Area, sort of Sacramento to Fresno is this big um, movement corridor. Um, and so just understanding that and, and what can be done. And then the other pillar, and really the main pillar, is restoration. So um, that is just the long work of uh, helping survivors to um, experience healing and, um, and to move through that, and whatever that takes. And so um, we have navigators that um, meet with people and disciple them directly, um, but there's all, there's all kinds of pieces to this. And so our founder used to just always hammer into us, there's all these other pieces and raising money and all these things, and they're all important. But at the end of the day, our mission is, and what we're trying to do is we just want to have the opportunity to sit with a survivor and offer her Jesus. Um, that's what it's all about because, as I said in my prayer, he's the only one that can bring that restoration. And um, those survivors right now that we're serving are as young as 11. Um, and I would say 80 to 90% are minors, but we would serve them all the way through majority and, and, and going on. We're there for the long term. However long they will take our help, we're, we're there for that. Um, and now we're finding that about 30% of our referrals are, are uh, male young boys. So we've created a whole nother arm of this to have male mentors who can um, be there. And so um, we, at our heart, are a discipleship ministry. That is the core of what we do. Um, and if that at all interests you, I wouldn't want you to feel like, oh, well, I'm not, uh, I don't have a degree in that or I'm not equipped for that. Uh, we have trained counselors and therapists and all of that that they, they, uh, the survivors have access to. We will train you. There's a navigator training so that you're trauma-informed. Um, and what I hear again and again and again from survivors is that the, the impactful thing was like this was the first person who didn't want anything from me. Um, and so when you've been treated as a commodity, 
that is very impactful. And so it doesn't, it doesn't take anything but a heart to um, want to have a relationship and be, and be a mentor, be part of that. And so um, I feel, feel that you could do it. Um, but ironically enough, that isn't, we're, that's what we are. I would say the main thing that we do is discipleship, but that's not really what I've done. That's not really what I do. Um, so when Matt asked me to, sir, uh, to talk about this and like share how you've discipled people, and I thought, oh, okay. It's been a bit of a non-traditional discipleship, so I had to kind of think about how God's discipled me in this. And so anyway, about 10 years ago, more than that, is when I first became aware of this organization. And so I went to their volunteer orientation, which is an event that we put on every few months. You can come and kind of learn about human trafficking in our area, learn what we do, and all the different ways that you could volunteer and serve in this. And we have one coming up on Thursday the 8th. If anyone's interested in that, you could sign up on our website. I will be there because I talked to some people between services, and they were kind of like, well, will you be there? So I will be there now, so you would see me. Um, and so I went to one of these, and I went into it, though, kind of having an idea of where I believed I would serve. Um, I had gone to law school with a couple of the deputy district attorneys, and I felt like, okay, I know these guys, and I have in there, and I'm going to be like a justice liaison of, you know, we're going to beef up prosecutions. We're going to put these guys out of business. That's what we're going to do. So I went to the orientation, and afterwards I talked to Debbie Johnson and told her my ideas, where I was going to serve, and she was like, okay, wow, love the energy, love the passion, uh, but we are not set up for that at all. <laughs> we, we, are, we would love to do that at some point, but right now we are completely focused on care, survivor care, survivor restoration. Um, but what we could use is someone to organize a fun run. So it's like, a fun run? Okay, well, I don't run, and I'd never organized a fun run, um, but I felt like, okay, I was called to come here, and she's, this is what she's asking. This is what she needs. And so I stepped into that, and I had no volunteer base. I had my friends and family, but I recruited them all, and we put on this fun run, and God did it. I mean, he pulled it all together because, yeah. Um, and it was great. It was good. Um, and after that, I really just served over the years in very non-traditional ways, kind of volunteering, organizing events, became a financial partner. And, but it was just my prayer. I kept feeling like, okay, this is the thing that I want to do. And God was just like, yeah, all right, hang on. Do the thing that I've asked you to do. So, okay, that's what I did. Um, and so about four years ago, though, Debbie came to me and she said, okay, we're there. I think we're there. We're ready to move into that space. We're building a task force with the DA and the Family Justice Center and all the other nonprofits that work in this space, the 209 task force, and we want you to spearhead this justice component. I was like, okay, great. Um, but while we build it, <laughs> what we really need is someone to organize our gala, our Night at the Derby gala fundraiser. So that's their big fundraiser for the year. And also there's no volunteers this year because COVID had just wiped it out. So I had no time and no people. Um, but I said yes, because God had shown me how over the years I just say yes, and he had made these things come together. Um, so I said yes, and I said before that God was literally my co-chair because it was super smooth. Everyone said yes. It, we had this amazing event, and it was such a great lesson in how uh, just being obedient and that he'll pull it together and he'll do exceedingly above all we could ask or imagine. Um, so really the way that I've been able to disciple more than sort of the traditional arm of what we do is just other volunteers and other people who are like me that had a heart for Jesus but maybe 
hadn't done a lot of community service, and, and the idea of human trafficking is just such an immense, overwhelming evil that it feels like, oh, what can we even do? Um, but God has just really inspired me with the, the idea that he's not asking me to eradicate human trafficking. He's just asking me to say yes to the next thing and that he can take those things and use your gifts, whatever those might be, um, to do what he's doing here on earth. And there's so much joy, even in a dark, this is a very heavy and dark subject, mm -hmm. but there's so much joy in getting to be the privilege of being part of that. And so uh, our gala is coming up April 26th. Um, and uh, I would love to have you. This, that's another great, like, if you just want to put your toe in and find out a little bit, if this interests you at all and you want to find out more, uh, whether that be just attending and you get to wear a big Kentucky Derby hat and we have racing up on the um, jumbotrons. And it's a really fun event that raises money for this. Um, and this year we'll be raising money for we're starting a residential program, which is going to be, be very impactful. And so that's great. Or if you are a service type person and you want to come and volunteer, um, I said before in the last service, whether you feel like you are called to actually disciple up survivors, which is be amazing, or if you can just come and fold napkins into pretty little roses for my tables to make the gala look pretty, God can use you, I can use you, that would be amazing. So I think that uh, there's like a rescue um, contact in the little flyer. If you reach out there, they'll forward that to me, or you could go on Without Permission's website or talk to me after, I'll be standing around, I'll talk your ear off about Without Permission. Um, and so that'd be great. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to say, some people came up to me between services and they had seen something they thought was suspicious or a house that they felt maybe was involved. If you go on our website, the Without Permission website, there's a place to report suspicious activity so it can kind of get directly into that, into that system. Thank you, Allison. That's awesome. Um, I want to introduce uh, Craig Battisport, who uh, is here. He's been here for a long time on Monday nights, uh, every Monday night except the first Monday night of the month uh, with our Monday night community. And uh, I'm just super excited uh, to have even been able to kind of hear and see uh, what God's been doing in his life and how God has drawn him into cost, I would call it costly discipleship of, of people that... Um, people that he's been able to come alongside of and, and share his life and them share their life with him. So Craig, why don't you share a little bit about that? Great. So thank you, Matt. I've been asked to share uh, with you today about Monday Night Community. So I'm going to do it in two parts. First, I'll share with you what Monday Night Community actually is and what we do, and then I'll tell you my personal journey uh, with Monday Night Community. So many years ago, uh, our church uh, has always been sending out global missionaries. But one day, one of our pastors, many of you may remember him, Jack Shackelford, uh, looked out of his office window, which used to be on Needham across the street at the liquor store and the hotels that were over there. And he said, you know, we, we need to reach the people that are right across the street. And that was the birth of Monday Night uh, Community. And Monday Night Community actually reaches and meets both the spiritual needs and the physical needs of the low-income and no-income neighbors that we have right around the church. On any given Monday night, we'll have anywhere from 120 to 250 of our neighbors come and spend time with us. And what transpires there uh, actually starts a lot earlier than before our guests show up. There are volunteers like some of you out here who come in and set up the tables, who start preparing the meal, who cut the vegetables, who, who uh, cr actually create the meal itself. And then there are others that come a little bit later and uh, our guests start to arrive at around five o'clock. We have games that are set up. Uh, we play Uno with them, uh, we'll play chess with them, we'll do other things with them. 
And then a little before six o'clock, we will invite them in. But we just don't hand them a meal. They, they come in, they sit at our tables in the pavilion, and then we have worship. And some of our volunteers get up, play guitar, they sing. And then typically, uh, Christine Kaufman or Madison Edgerton will, will lead a, a small church service. Oftentimes, they will have a speaker come up and share what has been going on in their lives. And quite often, those speakers who come up are our guests. And these are our guests whose lives have been transformed, who have accepted Jesus. Uh, many of them have given their life to Jesus during the services. A couple of times a year, uh, we have baptisms for them. But this is how we reach our local community here, uh, right here in Modesto. Uh, my personal journey is I, I never heard uh, God speak to me audibly. I never heard a, or never had him appear to me in a dream. But where I figured out where I was being sent was just by reading the scriptures. And what I have found for me, and it may be true for you, is that if you're reading scripture, oftentimes there's something that really sticks out for you. It either convicts you or it inspires you. And I think that is the voice of God telling us where we're sent. And for me particularly, one of the key verses was Philippians 2, 3 where God talks about don't consider yourself better than other people. And then another scripture was Matthew 25, 31 through 46, where Jesus talks about when he comes again in his glory and he is seated on his, seated on his throne, he is going to have all the nations of the world come before him and he is gonna separate the sheep from the goats. The goats are gonna be on his left and the sheep are gonna be on his right. And he's gonna to say to the sheep, blessed are you, uh, come inherit your kingdom that was created for you before the creation of time. And he says, this kingdom is yours because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. Uh, when I needed clothes, you clothed me. And the righteous will say to him, well, when did we ever do that for you, Lord? We didn't see you hungry. We didn't see you thirsty. We didn't see you in need of clothes. Jesus will say to them, when you fed, when you gave drink to, when you clothed the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. And that was really convicting to me and really inspiring to me. And that was over 20 some years ago. So my own journey is I started at Monday Night Church about 24 uh, years ago. And what I have seen over those years is people come in and they don't know Jesus at all. Then they are shared with, then they become believers then they become volunteers, then they become baptized. And what I've seen even most recently, I've seen them start to disciple other people. Over the last year, I've been able to develop deep relationships with some of our, our neighbors here. And it extends beyond Monday night. Uh, many times I've taken them to doctor's appointments, uh, had lunch with them, uh, we read the Bible together. Um, one of them I got the opportunity to baptize at one of our Monday night uh, services. And it's just been beautiful things that are happening there and that we get to see there. And anyone here who wants to be a part of it, it's really very easy to do. There are so many opportunities to serve, either preparing meals, serving meals, serving drinks. And one thing I, I really appreciate what Travis said from the stage the other day, he talked about someone going into a well to save someone. But he also talked about the person standing on top of the well holding the rope. We have a lot of people who come and serve at Monday Night Church who very rarely, if at all, actually interact with our guests. But those of us who do interact with our guests couldn't be doing it 
if they weren't there doing their part, which enables us all to have this great ministry. So if you would like to be involved, if there's something here that has inspired you, it's not the first Monday night of the month, as Matt had says, but it's every mo other Monday night. You can contact Christine Kaufman. You can contact uh, Madison Edgerton. Uh, you can contact me. Or the easiest thing is just show up on Monday night. Just, just show up there sometime around 5 o'clock, and we'll find plenty of work for you. And as I look around here, one other thing I do want to comment on, I see some of the high school students uh, and other students who are part of this ministry, and it is so beautiful to watch them after they've played games with a lot of our guests. Uh, Madison or Christine will ask our staff to go pray at the tables with our guests, and I saw all, see all these high school students going over, sitting, continuing their relationship with these guests, where they've learned their names, where they know their children, and they're there praying with them. And it's just the next generation of people coming up who are going to make disciples who make disciples. So that's Monday Night Community. Thank you, Craig. That's awesome. Um, you know, Jarius is going to share, this is kind of a, a similar to Monday Night Community. It's part of that, but um, over the years, uh, through kind of God's hand moving and leading us, um, we have a ministry at Ralston Tower, which is there at Five Points, um, Section 8, typically um, elderly uh, housing. And uh, so we have an opportunity to be involved in that. And Jarius is involved in that ministry. One of the things I love about this opportunity, Avenue for Discipleship, is um, I know families with young kids who go there and are able to minister to the residents there at, at uh, Ralston Tower. So regardless of the season or stage of life you're in, um, this is something that, that you can step into. So Jarius, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that? Um, hi, everyone. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jarius. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, I was born and raised here um, in West Modesto. Um, and I'd consider myself always having a heart for service because that's what my mother instilled in me. Um, she used to be the, the head cook over at the Old Salvation Army on I Street before it closed, um, serving our houses community. Uh, she started doing that when I was five, uh, and I was right over there with her. Uh, some people might call it child labor, um, but uh, she might call it uh, granting me a heart of service. So um, I've always had that in me. Um, I've always known my mother's faith. I've always known my mother's heart for service. And so as I've grown older, as I've grown in my relationship with Christ, I just really desire to find that for myself. Um, and I'm really grateful that um, I've been able to find that through my time um, uh, at the Ralston Tower Ministry. Um, so, yes, every Monday night, um, besides the first Monday, myself and a team of about 20 people head over to the Ralston Tower, um, and we uh, pack up the meals here at Crosspoint, and we serve them there, um, and it's just the best. Uh, it's a really awesome opportunity to just connect deeply with the residents who are there. Um, a lot of them are um, experiencing things like chronic pain um, or experiencing loneliness, or a lot of them are even just bound to uh, their small apartments because they're unable to leave very often. So it's really great to go there, to fellowship with them, um, to love them, and for them to love us. I think sometimes we don't even recognize how much love and un unlimited and unboundless love that they're able to give to other people, but they just don't have an opportunity to because they don't get to go out as often. 
Um, so would definitely encourage you to um, think about coming to the Monday night ministry, whether it's serving um, our houseless community or coming to the Ralston Tower ministry. Um, and if you're one of those people who just feels like there isn't enough time, I don't know how to carve it out, um, I just can uh, just encourage you to think about and pray about um, where God is leaving, leading you to serve um, and commit that time to him. Um, my friends, my family, my coworkers now know that Monday nights at five, don't bother me because I am going to be with my friends at the Ralston Tower. Um, and I'd also say too that um, another misconception about service or even just discipleship is that um, you have to be perfect. Um, in order to serve, that you have to be able to say all of the right things and to pray perfectly. Um, and oftentimes we go to the Rawson Tower and meet with the residents and we don't know what they're going to tell us if there's something new that they're experiencing or their family is experiencing. And sometimes we don't have the words, um, but it is the love that we have and the relationship that we have um, that is ultimately um, revealing Jesus to them. And so it's an awesome opportunity just to to pray with others, uh, to love on folks who really need it, um, and to be loved in return. So I hope you consider coming out. And if you want to come, bring your kids. They love the babies. You'll get 10 sets of grandchildren if you come. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, I just want to, again, thank this group of people for uh, sharing this morning. If you want to just kind of thank them. Um, the thing that all of them have in common um, from no matter what kind of, what ways that they're serving, the way, where God has sent them, what they have in common is that they, they just simply said yes, they obeyed and they made themselves available. So thank you guys for sharing this morning. Um, you know, we're going to uh, share communion right now. And um, what I love about this morning is that, uh, and again, going back to Revelation 12, um, we overcome the enemy through the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We've heard the word of testimony this morning of how people are reaching out, how people are going in, in our community and beyond um, and how the, 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 the most important thing about that is to bring Jesus who is inside you to those people around us. And you can do it in so many different ways, such a wide range of ways to do that. But that's the word of our testimony Right now, we're going to celebrate and remember the blood of the lamb that gives us victory over the enemy. And so when Jesus was, was there with his disciples that night, he, he had that bread and he broke the bread. And he said that uh, this is that reminder of how they have victory over the enemy. The enemy who had infiltrated that very night, <laughs> who was there, who was there with Judas, inspiring him to conspire against Jesus. And it's interesting that in that moment, Jesus said, the way that I will procure your freedom and your salvation is through a sacrifice, blood of the lamb. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that my body was broken. I suffered for you. Let's take that together. And then Jesus took the cup. So this is the blood of the covenant that I'm making with you. 
to make you new, to make you whole, to make you clean, so that there's nothing that can stand in the way of you going and sharing my love with everyone else. Let's take that together. We pray for us and as we continue to worship. If God is moving you this morning to go talk to one of the people who shared this morning because that's maybe what God has placed on your heart, the Spirit's moving in you, don't miss the opportunity to go out and talk to those and connect with those people. And maybe nothing up here is what God has provoked you to move toward, but continue to pray and ask God, where do you want me? What do you want me doing? Because there's so many things the one thing I know is God sends every one of his children somewhere to do something, and that something is to make disciples. Maybe you're here this morning, you're just super encouraged because you're already functioning where you've been sent. Keep doing it. Keep going. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that you share your ministry with us. Thank you for your shed blood. I pray that we would take that message of salvation that you've given us and we would spread that by the word of our testimony. As Tom said, um, when we're golfing with somebody, even simply asking if there's any kind of faith story that they have. God, when we're watching the big game, knowing that there is incredible suffering going on behind it. God, or if it's going away and maybe even taking some people up to camp, up to a place to just spend some time praying and seeking you for next steps. God, thank you for how you have blessed us and encouraged us this morning. I pray that we would obey. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.